John chapter 1, verse number 6. We're going to read a passage of Scripture here. John chapter 1, verse 6. If you have your Bible, we'll read together New King James Version. It says, There was a man that was sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That the true light which gives light to every man is coming to the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as did receive him, he gave them the right to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name, those who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I want to reemphasize verse number 12. It says, but as many as received him... To them he gave the right to become. Everybody say become. He gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, uh, those who were born not of the blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of the will of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. Speak to our hearts. I pray in the name of Jesus. Give us ears to hear and a heart to receive. Help us to leave here encouraged today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You can be seated this morning and look at somebody beside you and just tell them good morning. Look at your other person and tell them good morning. Hallelujah. We're so glad that you are here this morning. And I want to say happy Mother's Day again to everybody. And I say this every year, and I don't I don't mean this um, just off the cuff, but I mean I'm serious. Uh, Mother's Day, Father's Day, days of this nature are, are very difficult. Uh, for certain classifications of people. And uh, I want to tell you that I recognize that. I'm sensitive to that. That's why I don't always preach a traditional Mother's Day, Father's Day type message. Although today I do want to give honor. As Pastor Seth said, my mom is watching as well. Or hopefully she's at church, amen, and will be watching when she gets home. Uh, amen. I've told her that she needs to be plugged in where she's at. But anyway, thankful my mom watches every week and tells me she's proud of me. She says, I'm proud of you, son. And that means the world. Amen. And it means the world. So we're excited that you guys are here this morning. And we're starting a brand new series that I've entitled A Heart for the House. I've used this sermon t- uh, series title before. These are all brand new messages, though, uh, going a little bit of a different direction. And I've titled that because I believe that you and I should have a heart for God's house. Amen. That was really weak. Some of y'all did not get your coffee this morning. Let's say it one more time. I think all of us should have a heart for God's house. I really do mean that. We are a piece of the church, but when we come together, we are the church. And the small groups make up the one body. And it's super exciting to be a part of the family of God. So this morning, I'm not going to break out in a 70s song or anything of that nature, but the title of my message today is We Are Family. Now, some of y'all just got the jingle in your head, I know. But this morning, the title of my sermon is We Are Family family. I want you to know I believe in the local church, not just because I'm a pastor, but before I was even a pastor, before I was in ministry. My wife will will tell you, my mother will tell you that from the time that I got on fire for God as a young person, you could not keep me out of church. If the doors were open, if there was an event, there was an activity, I was there. And it's like David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I believe in the necessity and the priority of the local church. It is so vitally important. I want you to hear this preacher's heart this morning, and I want to tell it to you straight today. If you take a fish out of its environment, which is water, 
It does a lot of flopping around, and then it eventually dies. I believe if you take a Christian out of the environment of the local church for too long, they also begin to have ill effects. We were designed to be connected to the body of Christ. Amen? And so I'm so glad that you're here. I'm preaching to the choir, but those of you watching online, we're so faithful and thankful that you're watching today. But this morning, we wish you were here. So as I've said, I want to talk to you about the fact that we are family. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of insight, just some personal things. It's interesting. But um, Valentine's Day, how many of you know your phone is spying on you? Have you ever been in the car at the dinner table, you're talking about something, and then all of a sudden you start getting advertisements on your phone? The cookies are, are, are listening to you, and they are bringing to your attention those things that are vying for your dollars. Well, around the week of Valentine's Day this year, I was talking to somebody about, you know, getting DNA tests done and chasing your fam- tracing your family genetics. And I was like, man, that sounds cool. Well, the next thing you know, I started getting all of these things in my inbox, on my email, and on Facebook and Instagram. Ads started coming for 23andMe, Ancestry.com, all of this stuff. And, and I was like, you know, swipe next, and I, I kept deleting it until they hit that post with that 50% off. And I got to let you know this morning, I'm, pretty, I'm a pretty big sucker for a deal. And so I've always wanted to do it. I've been skeptical of it. So, of course, you don't have to give them a lot of personal information. They send you a vial in the mail. You spit in a tube. Not to be too graphic today, but you got to spit like 20 times because you got to fill it up like halfway. Seal it up. Send it off. And like six to eight weeks later, you get these results in the mail. And let me tell you something. I am a believer. I didn't give them any personal information or anything, but all of a sudden I get this genetic report with over 500 people who are potentially related to me by their first and last name, and I begin to go through that diagnostic test result and begin to pick out, okay, this is my cousin, my second, people I know, people I have relationship with. And so it was very interesting. There is one thing, however, that I found out in my test results. Are you ready for this? Here's what I was wondering. When I open up the tab, here's what I found out. You ready? I am white. Not even just a little bit. I am white, white. I am 98.7% Northern European. Yeah, I thought just there would be a smidgen of Native American. If you saw my grandfather, you would know why I thought that. If, if you were to uh, you know, know some other history traits in my family, you would think I might have a little white chocolate. But no, I'm white. White, white. And I know we're in a culture where you're not supposed to be proud to be white. But I'm, there you go. But I'm proud of my heritage. So anyway, said all that to say this. I begin to generate this list of names of people who are potentially relatives to me. So, of course, I get on the phone with my mom, my dad. They're on the edge of their seat. What did you find out? You know, we're reading through this list. And, of course, we're reading some names. And in the process of this, we, we begin to come across some names that nobody knows. Well, let me just tell you, if you're going to go through a genetic journey in your family's history, you better be prayed up. Because it's quite possible for you to dig out some family skeletons, which I did. Not just one, but two. And I'm not going to go into those this morning, but the one I'll tell you a little bit about. I came across this name, and nobody knew who it was. So 
So I'm asking my dad, I'm asking my mom. Nobody knows. There's not even a name, last name of that nature connected. But I found a 62-year-old woman in Northern California named Ruth who happens to be a second cousin of mine. So I reached out to her through the app and I said, hey, I don't know how. My mother doesn't know who you are. My father doesn't know who you are. But I'm trying to figure out how we're related. And she says, well, I'm glad you asked because I don't know either. She said, in 1962, I was adopted in Northern California in a closed adoption through a Presbyterian agency. And for the last 45 years, I've been looking for my biological family. All of a sudden, this moment, I became an answer to this woman's prayer. And though her parents are deceased now, uh, I was able to find out through one of my great-grandfather's children had a relationship. The baby was given up and, and those types of things. Come on, how many of you know there was a day that when you got pregnant, you didn't abort them, you put them up for adoption? Amen. I'm a pro-life pastor. No, it's not ashamed about it. So thank God for that family who chose to raise that child and love them like they were their own. And so she meant no disrespect to her, her, her adopted family because she, they had given her a good life and given her a good home and all of those things. But she said, there's something in my life now that makes me feel complete. Uh, now she's connected with some half-sisters she didn't know she had. She's got some pictures and we're in contact, and she's saying, wow, I look like my mom. I favor my dad. Or, you know, my sister and I, half-sister now, we, we look all, you know, all these same features and characteristics. And you and I may not realize how big of a deal that is if we've not been in those shoes. But if you've been adopted in this room this morning or you've ever adopted somebody, then you have to understand that there's an innate desire on the, each, on the inside of each one of us to be connected and to belong to a family, to know who our tribe is, to know who our people are. And She said to me, she said, you know, I finally found out who my real family is. And now her half-sister, which is my second cousin, are making uh, arrangements to meet up together. And it's a big, joyful thing, and we're happy and we're excited. But as I begin to think about that, uh, it began to uh, awaken some things on the inside of me. Because the truth is, you and I who trust in Christ, you and I who've named the name of Jesus, see, you and I belong to a family. We belong to the family of God. Those of us who have called upon the name of Jesus and have been washed in his precious blood and our names have been written down in the Lamb's book of life, we belong to the family of God. And when you become a part of the family of God, you don't have to wonder anymore. You don't have to search around and try to figure out who my family is. As cool as it is to trace your lineage, as cool as it is to find out the origins of your ancestors, it is also amazing to find out who we are in Christ and who Jesus has destined us to be. We're a part of the family of God. This is cool because in, in our passage, John chapter 1, John, his gospel is different than all of the others. John is, is, is giving us this romanticized depiction of the Messiah coming into the world. And, and, and I love the way John chapter 1 verse 
starts out, this is not in your notes, but uh, this is one of the first passages of Scripture I memorized as a young Christian. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And I love the way that John 1 verse 14 beautifully depicts, and the Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us. That God incarnate came down from heaven, walked with men, lived a perfect life, and gave His all as a sacrifice I love the way that John records it as we look in our text this morning. John chapter 1 verse number 16. Look at this. He says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. John was the cousin of Christ. He was the forerunner. He was the one who prepared the way for the Lord. The Bible is, is, is explicit that John was not the light, but he was just simply a reflection of the light. He came to bear witness to the light. Now look at verse 11 with me. It says he came to his own and his own did not receive him. What does that mean this morning? Jesus came to the Jewish nation. He came to them as the prophesied Messiah that Isaiah spoke about, that Zechariah spoke about, and Daniel spoke about. All of the prophets testify that from Israel, from the root of David, out of dry ground would come a Messiah who would come and establish his kingdom and rescue his people. But guess what happened? Right there on the, the, the dirty banks of the shore of the Jordan River where Jesus was baptized, Throughout Jerusalem, the cobblestone streets, he walked and he ministered. And the Jewish people, they rejected him. The Bible says he came to his own and his own did not receive him. But notice what he said in verse number 12. But as many as did receive him. Somebody say, that's us. For as many who did receive him, that's us. To them he gave the right to what? Become. To become children of God to those who believe in his name what does that mean this morning that means that we're not all God's children I know Oprah says that I know other people say well we're all God's children but that's not so we're all God's creation but Jesus said you must be born again we're all God's creation and so this morning I want to continue on this path and I want to look at what God says to us and through us as we begin to see what he's uh, saying to us. But as I begin to look at this, here's what I want to see. Slide number one. You ready for this? If they can put that on the screen. First thing. Here's the first thing. Families have characteristics. Families have characteristics. One thing that I begin to study as we begin to study out our lineage is, is that there's some characteristics in our family. I want you to know something. You might have the name Jones. You might have the name Smith or Williams, but as far as we're concerned, we have the name of Jesus. Oh, where are y'all at this morning? We have the name of Jesus. And man, I'm telling you, families have characteristics. You know, you might have your signature nose, you might have your daddy's ears, you might have your mama's height, but in Christ we have righteousness and justification and identification and holiness. We have all of these family traits that were passed down through Jesus, and it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Families have a name. Everybody say families have a name. Your name matters. You know what the Bible says? There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
Families have a name. That's why, ladies, when you get married, that gets customary to take on the name of your husband. When we get born into the family of God, we come under the name of Christ. We're born into a royal family. Families have attributes. You know, it's funny. My wife makes the joke, the older that she gets, the more she begins to look like her dad. Which is true. I see the resemblance. When I look at pictures, sometimes I see Adam in me. and Other times I see my dad in my pictures. As family members, we have these things that have been passed down inherently through genetics called our bloodline. Whether or not, as I mentioned, that's the nose, the height, the color, the earlobes, the, the different things that are passed down through our family lineage. Through Christ, when we're born again, we get directly into the bloodline of Jesus Christ. And now God's attributes begin to be traced down through our life. And the Bible says He no longer sees us, but He sees us through the blood. We have family characteristics. Not only do families have attributes, but catch this, families also have perks. Families have perks. You know, I'm going to mention some names to you. And these names this morning will probably mean something. First of all, if you have the last name Gates, thinking of Father Melinda or uh, Mother Melinda, Father Bill Gates, billionaire. What about Jeff Bezos? Or Hilton, the owner of the Hilton chain. I could begin to name all types of names of billionaires in this world, of CEOs of national, international companies. How many you know my name is Brad Smith? And aside from the favor of God, I cannot just go walk in to Bill Gates' office or to Jeff Bezos' office. Or to the Hilton office. They probably have like 10 secretaries you have to go through to even get an appointment. Come on, are y'all still here this morning? I mean, it's just difficult to get to somebody of that caliber. You're not just going to stroll in in the office and put your feet up in the desk. But I have a feeling this morning that if I was Bill Gates' child, if I was his son... If I was the son of, of Jeff Bezos, if I was an heir to the Hilton throne, I, I bet you that I could just walk right into the office and sit down on the couch. I bet you I could open the mini fridge and pull out a bottle of water. I bet you I could grab some, some peanuts or some type of snack from the bowl on the desk. Why? Because my relationship grants me access. Come on, somebody. And I want you to know something. That you and I are part of a family that's far more royal than the Bezos family. We're part of a family that's far more royal than the Hilton Foundation or the Bill Gates Foundation. We are born into the family of God. And what does the Bible say? Not only just heirs, but joint heirs with Jesus Christ. You and I have access right into the very throne room of God. That's why I don't understand Christians who don't pray. You and I have access right into the very throne room of God. Hebrews tells us by the blood, we're given access into the holiest of places. And we don't come as a servant beat down. We don't approach him like a dog with our tail between our legs. We come as a son and a daughter of God right into the face of our Father. Hallelujah. I'm glad this morning families have perks. And the perk of being a part of the family of God is our Father loves us. He wants to hear 
from us. He desires to bless us. He wants to heal us. And he has a great inheritance for us. I'm so thankful for that this morning. Families have perks. Romans chapter 8 verse 17 says, And their children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, that if indeed we suffer with him, we may also be glorified together. I'm glad that I'm a part of a family of God. Here's another thing. Number two, families have dynamics. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you in this room have children? Raise your hand. How many of you have more than one? Keep your hand up. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you would agree that oftentimes our children are very different? Different. How many of you would also agree that oftentimes you relate to your children on different levels? Sometimes you speak to your children different. Sometimes they speak differently to you. In, in fact, as, as a child, you may have a, a nickname for your mom or your dad that you call, uh, and, and your sibling may have a different name. What am I trying to say? Families have dynamics. One child can interact differently with their parent while another child acts another. Aren't you glad this morning that our walk with God is personal? And that there are dynamics within our walk with God. There are some things that are the same for everybody. We're all supposed to pray. We're all supposed to, to worship. But aren't you glad this morning that, that, that there's some personalities and some differences and some characteristics that are uniquely different to our relationship with God? In other words, I might pray, but I might pray differently than you. My place may look different. My time might look different. But my prayer life is no more or no less than yours because they're different. Families have different dynamics. And I know within my own two kids that I know that, that there are times where their heart is open towards something and I know there are other times where the conversation needs to wait. Aren't you glad that God deals with us on that level? He knows how to deal with us and how to talk with us on a unique level. I'm glad with that. Also, children within a family have different relationships with each other. There's some bonds that are closer than others. Maybe it's proximity, maybe it's age, maybe it's closeness and experience. But at the end of the day, no matter how close or how distant you are to a brother or sister, you're still a brother and a sister. Right? That's how family works. These are not relationships by choice. These are relationships by design. God has interconnected us in the, in the flesh with our family. But spiritually, we also are connected to a family. I want, I want to read a passage of Scripture to you this morning out of John's Gospel, John 13, verse 34, and I believe it's verse 35. I may have misnoted that in our notes this morning, but here's what it says. It says, a new commandment that I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Let me ask you a question. What is the measure of spirituality in the body of Christ? Is it our tongues? Is it our prophecy? Is it our exuberant worship? Is it our giving to reach the nations? No. Here's what the Bible says. They will know you're my disciples by how you treat each other. Right? I'm telling you this morning... 
that the family of God, we have to learn how to love each other. We rejoice when others are rejoicing. We hurt while others are hurting. That's what we're supposed to do. Amen? God has called us in this regard for us to be a part of a holy family. Now listen, I saw this in action this week, and I don't say any names or anything like that, but I, I watched, this is why, this is why, whoo, this is why, this is why I'm so enthralled with, this is why I'm so pushed by small groups and growth groups and relationships. Why? Because as a church grows, one person, two people can only deal with so many people on so much of a level. But aren't you glad that when you're connected to a family, come on somebody, that there are first responders, there are brothers and sisters that can come and connect and bring help and healing to a situation. Sat with a family this week who had nothing but good things to say about our church because their small group was the first one to respond to them. They said, we don't need any food. Our small group provided it all. But they sat and listened to me. They let me get it off of my chest. Come on, somebody. That's why it's important to be part of a body of Christ. So many people wonder why they feel isolated, why they feel alone, why they feel estranged. Could it be that you're not connected? And I just want to step off on a limb and say it this morning. If you're not connected, it's because you don't want to be connected. We're an equal opportunity connection church. Come on, somebody. And if people don't speak to you, you go speak to them. Amen. Come on, somebody. We are a part of a family. And here's what Jesus said. You're going to know that you're my disciples, but by the way that you love each other. So important. So important. The Bible says we're supposed to do good, but especially to those who are of the household of faith. That's what the Scripture says. We are to take care of our own. So I'm thankful this morning. Families have dynamics. We have different relationships with each other. But at the end of the day, families come together. You know, one of the greatest tragedies that I've ever experienced, just in dealing relationally with people through the years, is that when death happens or crisis happens and all of a sudden people come from all over the country, this family member's coming here and this family member's coming from there, and it almost becomes like a family reunion. People make the, the statement oftentimes, I sure do hate we had to meet up like this. Sure has been too long. You know something? You and I have to work hard to maintain those relationships in our natural families and in our church families. Because let me tell you something. When trying times come, and they will, to everybody, it's extremely important to have that relationship of foundation in your life. How many of you are thankful in this room for the local church? Amen. How many of you have ever experienced the love of the local church? Come on. Everybody wants to hate on the church. Let's just brag on the church for a moment. How many of you have ever experienced the love of God through the church in a crisis? Come on, raise your hand. How many of you have ever experienced a phone call from somebody in the church when you were going through a hard time? How many of you got a random text in the middle of the night from somebody who said, you're on my heart, I'm praying for you. Come on, raise your hand. Look around this morning and be encouraged. There's a lot more right with the church than's wrong with it. And everybody that wants to complain, fix it. Be a fixer. We know we're the disciples of God by how we love each other. 
Number two, families have dynamics. Here we go. You ready? Families have an entrance. In other words, you have to become a part of a family. Notice what my text said in 1 John. But unto those who did receive him, he gave them a right to become children of God. In other words, we're not Christians because our families are. We're not a believer because we attend a certain church. But there's an entrance point in how to get into a family. John chapter 3, verse 7, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. I'm finishing this morning. Jesus said these words when he reiterated to Nicodemus. He said, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Now, I'm going to tell you there are two ways to get into a family. I want you to listen to me closely. There are two ways to get into a family. Number one is by birth. By birth. My children did not choose to come into this world. We chose to bring them into this world. They're part of my family. They don't have a choice. They're just here. They're just here. There are other people, like this long-lost family member that I found, who didn't have a family, whose family didn't want them, maybe couldn't take care of them. So some other kind family showed up and adopted them. Adoption is a legal process whereby a person of their own free will takes authority and responsibility for another person and legally, transactionally, that person becomes a part of their legal family. See, John chapter 1 says he came to his own and his own didn't receive him. That was Israel. Now, Israel will come to Christ. The Bible says that. But you and I were not a part of that original design. You and I are Gentiles. Those of the nations of the world. Those who are outside of the Jewish bloodline. So you know what God did? Through adoption. He made us available to become a part of his holy family. And so guess what? Christ's blood on the cross was a transactional purchase of the redemption of mankind so that those who would call upon his name and believe in him would come into the family of God. I love the way that Paul wrote to the church at Rome and he said it like this. He says, therefore, he says, he says we don't have the spirit of, a bondage, of bondage again to fear. But we, we don't have an orphan spirit. Paul said, but we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, or that's translated, Daddy, God. Intimate relationship, because God chose to adopt us into his family. Now, my question for you this morning is this, for every person in this room. My question this morning is this, for everybody who's listening by the way of podcast or, or some type of social media outlet. My question is this, if God extended his hand to invite you into his holy family, why would you not accept such an offer? As I mentioned at the beginning of my message, yes, Father's Day is hard on some. Mother's Day is hard. But here's what I found out about the family of God. If you're a widow and you don't have a family, you can find family here. 
If you lost your mom and you don't have one, you can find one here. There's lots of women who never had kids who are mamas. Come on, somebody. You miss a good spot to say amen. If your dad walked out on you or he died at an early age and you've had a void in your life, you can find that here. If you were an only child and you were orphaned and you don't have any siblings, you can find that here. It's important to be connected to the family of God because God wants us to be a part of this great big family. Let me tell you how much he believes in the local church. Close your Bible. I'm done this morning. Here's how much God believes in the local church. The book of Acts is the foundation, the blueprint, the establishing of the local church. Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, all wrote to churches. Revelation 1, 2, 3, the letters to the seven churches. Timothy, Titus, written to pastors of churches. The local church is God's idea. And here's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to isolate you. He wants to push you away from the flock. We've got a message on church hurt we're going to talk about in a few weeks. Because the Bible says, faithful is the wound of the kiss of a, the wound of a friend. There are some of you in this room or listening this morning, you've been hurt by church. You've been hurt by people. Let me tell you something. You've been hurt out in the world too. Don't you let the devil isolate you from the family of God. The enemy wants to, he's seeking whom he may devour. And he always is looking for that one little lonely person who's isolated from the flock of God. Let me tell you something. Somebody, I can't remember, I think it was Miss Susan, posted a video on Facebook yesterday, last night or something. There was a little turtle that was flipped over in a river. And, and the turtle was, you know, you could see the white of its belly. And it was struggling because, you know, he couldn't help himself. And there were like 12 or 13 other little turtles that swimmed up. It was so beautiful. And just flipped him over on his side. That's the church. That's the church. When one is hurting, the others come to the rescue. I'm so thankful this morning to be a part of God's holy family. Close your Bibles and stand up on your